everyone and welcome to the Future of Work podcast series. My name is Ella Wang, Faculty International Manager here at Leeds University Business School and your host for this podcast series. In the last two episodes, me and my co-host Mark have discussed the broad prospects and trends on adaptation of AI in recruitment. We've also invited industry practitioner to share her view on this topic. In today's episode, we'll focus on some of the academic debates around the use of AI in recruitment and selection, looking at key areas and debates. For example, the use of AI in recruitment and selection is inevitable, and what challenges does it present to organizations? And also, what are the implications for workers, etc.? Now, joining me today, we have someone who's an expert in this areas of research, Chris Ford, who's a professor of employment studies in Leeds University Business School and the deputy director of the ESRC Digital Futures at Work Research Centre. This centre, involving over 70 researchers at the University of Leeds, Sussex and others in examining the future of work and the role of technology in the workplace. Chris has a research interest around the platform and gig work, as well as in the areas of HRM, recruitment and selection. So welcome, Chris. Thank you very much for joining me today for this fascinating topic. Thanks very much, Ellen. Great. So, Chris, let me start by asking you how widespread is the use of AI in recruitment and selection in your research? And why do you think this is needed or even being used, please? Well, the use of technology in recruitment and selection, things like uh, the tracking of applicants or uh, technology to gamify interview tasks, that's quite widespread. Uh, There was a recent survey by the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, which found about half to two thirds of organizations were using such technologies in their recruitment and selection processes. But with artificial intelligence, so when we're talking about uh, the use of visual perception uh, by computers, decision-making by computers, uh, perhaps less so. Um, It's an aspiration for many firms, I think, rather than a reality. So that same report by the Chartered Institute for Personnel and Development found that actually only about one in seven firms were using artificial intelligence and automation in any area of their human resource processes. And that's, that's much smaller than use of artificial intelligence in areas such as production, manufacturing and information technology. And why do you think this is? I mean, the use of AI is often portrayed as inevitable and or desirable for firms. Uh, Isn't this the case? I think you're right. It's a really good question. Um, As with many functions that involve administrative tasks, human resources has activities that look very ripe uh, for the picking and the use of artificial intelligence. So recruitment is often put forward as a primary candidate for artificial intelligence. It can be used to help source and rate applicants in a fair and equitable way. But also artificial intelligence might be used in areas like learning and development, fielding employee inquiries. So that all sounds really positive and you'd expect it to be used quite a lot in, in the area of HR. Sure. Um, but in the area of recruitment and selection, I think there's a lot of challenges to doing that. It's not as straightforward as it might seem. So first of all, it's costly. Um, it, it's, it's a lot to invest in these artificial intelligence systems. One estimate suggested that even for a small enterprise, if they were trying to introduce an artificial intelligence system into their recruitment and selection, it might cost them anywhere between 50,000 and £100,000 startup costs just to uh, implement uh, implement that technology. Then in addition to that, you've got um, time to train 
um, applicants and trained managers, most importantly, in order for it to be effective. So that's the first thing. But secondly, I think perhaps most importantly, the adoption of these technologies um, is not, it's not just a technically neutral exercise or decision. It's a, it's a social process. It's something which is driven by social processes, um, power relations in the workplace, um, and maybe adopted for a whole host of reasons. So a paper by uh, Deborah Howcroft and Phil Taylor just published this year makes this point very clearly. They know that artificial intelligence is really expanding in the area of, of HR. And some organizations are using it simply to improve efficiency. But many organizations and managers within those organizations have quite other motives uh, for introducing artificial intelligence. They want to try and increase control over the workforce, uh, perhaps they're trying to reproduce existing power relations and dynamics in the workplace. And these are definitely not neutral decisions. Colleagues uh, at Leeds University Business School, David Spencer, uh, Mark Stewart, Simon Joyce and Xanthi Whitaker uh, have looked at this in a recent report for the European Parliament. And they know also that the decision to adopt artificial intelligence uh, in areas like recruitment and selection is shaped by a whole host of factors. The regulatory environment that, that is in place in the UK, for example, sectoral context, you know, some sectors and uh, types of organisation just have more of a tradition of investing in these sort of technologies. If you look at health and social care, for example, uh, there's a lot of interest at the moment in the use of intelligent technologies to assist in areas of, of, of healthcare delivery. In that sort of environment, perhaps there's um, more current incentives and pushes for uh, managers and organisations to invest in artificial intelligence in other areas. So I think it, there are challenges to introducing it. It's not simply something that can be done uh, in, a, in, a, in a short term way um, and without consideration of the broader environment and, and, um, and context in which these technologies are being introduced. And just finally, at a practical level, um, not everything in recruitment and selection can be automated or, or should be automated. Um, think about during COVID, uh, research done uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic has revealed that many job applicants do value that human interaction. They want to sit next to someone face to face um, and speak to them. Um, this is an organization that they might be going to work in. They want to understand and have that human interaction with people uh, rather than just sort of uh, a, a robotic uh, interaction. Right, right. Thank you for sharing that, Chris. That's really interesting. In particular, I picked up some figures. Um, I'm quite sensitive to the figures that you said some organizations that uh, you know, are required to invest somewhat between 50 to 100K. So my next question really is, I'm intrigued to find out what, for those organizations who invested in such technology, what are their return on investment? I, I suppose, you know, the question is, what do you think the benefits are? Because in the previous two episodes, we've discussed, um, you know, from student's perspective and practitioner perspective. So I'm really interested to hear what does the academic research suggest from your perspective, please? Uh, definitely, that's a really important issue. And I think the first thing, and perhaps the thing which is put forward most about artificial intelligence in recruitment and selection by those who uh, are advocating it, is that it can reduce bias and, un and unfairness in recruitment and selection. So there's, there's research over the last 50 years, a wide body of research which points to how um, recruiters often rely upon gut feelings and intuition, even when they are doing everything they can to be objective in, uh, in recruitment and selection processes. Research suggests that particularly in selection interviews, 
but also in other selection processes and in the initial shortlisting and screening processes, biases can, can come in. Um, we're dealing with humans here um, and they often rely upon their intuition and gut feelings as much as um, objective uh, data. Um, there's a lot of HR research which is looking at this and which is, uh, I think we may have touched on uh, some of the methods of um, recruitment selection in previous podcasts. Um, some of them have very high validity, like assessment centres, for example, where you've got a whole battery of uh, different selection techniques. Um, interviewers asking standardised questions. But nonetheless, uh, even with all these sort of checks and balances in place, a lot of research suggests that inequalities and biases still seem to persist in recruitment and selection. So artificial intelligence is proposed as a means through which those biases can be reduced. Um, what could be better than um, advocates arguing than decisions being based entirely on data and evidence rather than on people's hunches? Uh, we could remove potentially discriminatory practices and decisions. So a recent review uh, by Hauser 2019 looked at this and said, with all this evidence that there is around the, these benefits of recruitment selection, question the provocative question she asked was why wouldn't you adopt artificial intelligence given that this can perhaps reduce or remove uh, biases in what are traditionally unfair recruitment and selection processes so are we saying first impression doesn't count anymore well that's 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 uh, we'll come on to some research on this in, in a moment because i think um even when you when organizations which do use uh, artificial intelligence um sometimes managers can still want to step in and right. and be, and that i think comes from their belief that the first impression does matter um there's research which indicates that managers um, and recruiters do make decisions very early on in uh, selection processes even when there are these checks and balances in place they do tend to uh, make judgments quite early on within selection processes. So even where artificial intelligence is introduced to try and uh, ensure that um, perhaps those perhaps those first impressions may be, may be right, uh, they may be backed up by data and other evidence, um, artificial intelligence may be brought in to try and ensure that that's the case. But it does very much depend upon what goes into the uh, algorithms and the technology uh, that's being used for artificial intelligence. So in the Hauser article that I mentioned, uh, the paper, this talks about the garbage in, garbage out issue. And this idea that whether artificial intelligence in recruitment is fair really depends upon how the technology is programmed. What can the technology learn? Um, and is it, is it built or designed to, to simply replicate existing inequalities within an organization? So a very famous artificial intelligence-led recruitment process at Amazon, um, not too long ago, 2015, was scrapped after only six months after it was uh, revealed to be uh, learning to select men over women in, uh, in selection processes. Right. So the algorithm they were using was, um, was looking to identify the best candidates, but the algorithm... Um, to do this was simply looking back over CVs and uh, application forms that have been submitted to Amazon uh, for technology jobs over the last decade. Now, given that most of these applicants were male um, and there was a, a, a historical bias towards um, males being uh, selected for, for these posts, the technology actually began to learn that successful applicants in the past were typically male and began looking for phrases and words within application forms which um, were associated with successful applications. So when it saw things like a member of a male football team, um, 
associated with a male applicant, it would then begin looking for further phrases which had the word uh, male in it. So it, it had the it, it actually started to reproduce these gender biases over time, which was exactly what the artificial intelligence technology was was trying to reduce within within the organization. Absolutely. That's really fascinating. And just when you say that, I was thinking about things like do do they uh, I mean, they, the, the artificial intelligence um, or the algorithm pick up over time the the tone of voice and the confidence in the voice and, you know, all that kind of stuff that maybe system learning that um, or machine learning that could be it could be done, um, you know, as as a way of not reducing bias and unfairness, but actually maybe an increasing bias and yeah. fairness, right? Yeah. And that's, and it's possible. It's possible. It's, it's definitely possible. And um, I think uh, the the more these these technologies are getting um, more intelligent. I think so. The, the the artificial intelligence systems in recruitment and selection can recognise particular uh, voices, uh, tones, and can try and make judgments and decisions based around that. Um, so they're definitely improving. Um, and it does depend upon what they are programmed to do, though. If the organisation is and then and this really does pose a question about what the organization is looking for when it's recruiting and selecting if it's if it's if it's recruiting and selecting on objective criteria um perhaps these can be built into artificial intelligence systems uh, to come up with objective decisions but if the organization is seeking more uh, subjective attributes um, right. and behaviors um, it may be a real challenge to build these into artificial intelligence systems and indeed some would say um, there's a there's a line to be drawn at some point about the extent to which technologies or human recruiters uh, should rely upon uh, particular attributes or or behaviors so I think it's about thinking about this I, 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 as a HR uh, human resources person I would try and think about this in the in the round as as, as artificial intelligence being just one part of a well-designed recruitment and select, a selection process it, it perhaps has something that can help systems to overcome uh, obvious biases and limitations i think that's that's definitely a, a positive thing um but alongside other um human aspects of re recruitment and selection processes as well um so i think it's it's a balance between it's between those uh, those two things i think sure definitely so given these gaps in the technology why can't the technology behind these um, artificial intelligence systems have been improved to overcome these obvious limitations, do you think? I think one of the key challenges relates to the human dimension of recruitment and selection. Ultimately, the reality is that the hirer is, is still a human. Um, it's a manager, a person in an organisation or people within organisations. Yeah. So despite the promise of fairer recruitment through artificial intelligence, Will, will managers really trust this technology to undertake recruitment and selection? Will they relinquish control of recruitment and selection and give it over to, uh, to these artificial intelligence technologies? Now, interestingly, this was a key question posed in a recent piece of research for this Digital Futures of Work Research Centre that I'm involved in by Will Hunt and Jackie O'Reilly. And they looked at Walmart, one of the largest retail organisations in, in the world, and their use of artificial intelligence in recruitment and selection during the pandemic. Now they had a number of reasons for trying to introduce artificial intelligence into their retail stores. Um, during the pandemic, they wanted to reduce face-to-face uh, -face contact uh, with, with applicants, which was a deliberate uh, decision. 
they had already been trialing this before the, the pandemic. Um, and they they noticed uh, prior to this that they, they had real issues with retention rates. So um, shop floor retail workers um, had relatively high turnover. So they were trying to reduce this. And one of the key things that they were looking for this technology to do was to identify applicants that would stay with Walmart for at least three months. Um, so the algorithm they used was designed to rank candidates based upon their likelihood of them staying in post uh, for at least three months. So very data driven. Um, and, uh, you know, it was implemented during COVID-19. Um, I think in terms of its rankings, uh, it, it, it's Walmart was very happy with the data that was being provided and the candidates that were being placed at the top of the list by the uh, algorithms. Um, but managers implicitly distrusted these artificial intelligence systems. So interviews that the researchers did found that actually managers were starting to try and override the findings of the technology. And many of them had reservations about whether this algorithm was actually able to identify uh, good hires. So what we saw was some managers moving candidates back down the list, even though the artificial intelligence uh, algorithm had rated them excellent in a pre-employment assessment. Um, or conversely, they found candidates further down the list who were rated poor by the technology, who they actually thought would make good associates. So they were using their hunches, their intuitions and making comments like, well, I just don't trust the computer. You know, I, I know what it's like to hear someone's voice. Um, the, the algorithm can't call people up and hear what they've got to say. Um, I, I've got that human intuition about what this person will be like. And so they ended up bypassing the recommendations in in some uh, cases. So I think overall, you've got this potential misalignment between the algorithm's recommendations and the user's own judgments of quality based upon what they think someone's expected performance right. is going to be. That's, um, yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, I picked up a one keyword, uh, Chris, while, while you're sharing this um, with, with us, is the control. So, you know, I think this is quite concerning is who's in control during the recruitment and selection process? Is it the system that we've created, the humans created, or is it the decision maker? And then they, you know, it's a human looking for a job, working for a human. The system is just a tool to, I guess, to streamline the process and to make it fair. Um, I don't know if, you know, what I'm saying is, is a correct. Um, so I guess, given the research that you, you pointed out, to say that recruiters sometimes make, uh, you know, poor and, and unfair decisions, what, what, do you, what do you think about this, you know, on this point in terms of a control? Yeah, no, I, think you, I think you're exactly right. I think it is, there is this tension between um, recruiters wanting to improve the decision-making and using technology to do that, but also wanting to retain some control over this. And I think it's about a balance again, and this is coming back to this importance of trust. Um, Walmart in this research were... Um, we're very interested in the findings of this research and they've, they've tried to take steps to increase the transparency and the confidence in the system. So they've tried to adapt the artificial intelligence to so that the user interface highlights the qualities and explains why candidates have been put nearer to the top of the list so that a recruiter can, can have more confidence perhaps in, in why um, a particular candidate is at the top, rather than just seeing that someone's appeared at the top and having to, um, 
having to trust that the, the system is right. I think some further work will definitely be needed to convince some users, or managers, recruiters of the, the value of the system. Um, and I think this does come down to then a culture of um, and, and the climate in which these uh, technologies are, are being used. I think managers, recruiters, employees, job applicants will become um, more confident and trusting of the technology um, if it's been seen in, uh, in other contexts and it's, it's not simply been used to replace humans uh, in, in these sort of activities, but it's been used to complement um, sure. the human decisions that, that, are being uh, that are being taken. I think that's one of the big sort of conclusions here. It's, it's often portrayed, I think, in, uh, in some of the popular press about that this is, you know, robots are going to be taking over everyone's jobs. Right. Um, we're going to be seeing artificial intelligence everywhere. And it is, um, there is, there's a lot of potential for artificial intelligence, I think, in work and employment. Um, but there are also limits and there's also ways in which humans and artificial intelligence can complement each other in, in complex areas of, um, of human resources like, like recruitment and selection. It sounds like a collaboration between a human and, uh, and the system, <laughs> the AI system. That's right, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I think this is really insightful for our listeners, you know, especially the, your share of some of the case studies with, you know, real uh, organizations. Um, so as we are coming to sort of the, the end of this episode, um, I just wanted to ask a big question. What are the big takeaways here um, from your perspective, please? I think the first thing is that the adoption of these technologies, particularly artificial intelligence in recruitment and selection, is not straightforward. So it's not a quick fix solution. Um, it's definitely dependent upon good programming, um, good algorithms, um, and uh, human in, in intuition and um, intelligence about um, what, what the organization is looking for in particular applicants. I also think it's really important to try and connect this to other aspects of the human resource cycle, if you like. If the aim is to, for example, in the recruit, the, the Walmart example, if the aim was to recruit employees who will be retained in um, and still be there in three months' time, what's the what's the rationale? Of, what, what's what's the what's the other sort of human resource policies and practices which are needed to try and ensure that that objective and that target is met? Uh, so rather than just thinking about um, artificial intelligence and recruitment and selection, what else is needed to, to try and ensure that people re remain with an organization? And does it come down to training activities, onboarding activities, retention policies? So I think it's, it's this, this to me um, flags up really important issues about human resources and the, the value of human resources within organizations. Um, so, I think there is real potential with artificial intelligence and recruitment and selection, but it also does need to connect to other areas of human resource activities as well. Um, the other things that I think are really important takeaways here are the thing that I mentioned at the start of the, um, the recording about the adoption of technologies and artificial intelligence being socially driven, that it's shaped by um, social processes, organizational cultures, um, the beliefs and mindsets of, of managers, as well as broader sort of institutional regulatory uh, environments. So it definitely is the case, I think, that more firms are going to be uh, pushed um, and encouraged to use artificial intelligence for recruitment and selection, but it's not straightforward. And ultimately, 
there's still a human element in there. It's still based upon human decisions, as we saw in the example um, at, at Walmart, and, um, and managers will still have a role to play. And I think finally thinking about uh, from the job applicant's perspective or the worker's perspective, I think finding out as much as um, you can about potential organisations' use of artificial intelligence is, is a really useful exercise. Um, if you were looking for a job, for example, finding out how the organisation you're thinking of applying for is, is using uh, artificial intelligence in recruitment and selection is, uh, is really important for making an application. Um, but it may also tell you something about the organisation that you're applying for as well. Um, and you can understand and find out more about how it communicates with applicants, whether it's investing in artificial intelligence in other areas of its operations, what it's using these technologies for and for, for what purposes. And I think these are definitely useful uh, insights into um, organisations um, and, and how they operate in the, in the 21st century. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, um, our audience. You know, research, communication, these are the repeated messages that are hopefully coming through from our episode. Um, I think, you know, obviously from, from an academic perspective, research is really, really important. Uh, you know, thank you once again, Chris, for sharing all the insights with us. Um, but research, not only just from academic research perspective, but also for, for our students, graduates, you know, if you are looking for a job right now, it is really important to research on the organization um, as a whole, their culture, you know, their uh, their their structure, their governance, all of which contributes to what we are talking about in terms of, you know, adaptation of AI in recruitment and selection. Um, as Chris pointed out, is you know, th there are other elements, it's not just the machine, but all this algorithm that considers the social processes and organizational cultures as part of it. Um, but at the end of the day, I guess it's not a replacement, it's a complementary to human decision, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, I guess uh, that's all we have time for today. Um, time's are flying by when you have fun. Uh, so I guess, you know, for the next episode, we'll tackle on a completely different theme and subjects. But until now, we've covered three episodes on adaptation of AI in recruitment and selections from students' experience perspective or practical perspective industry and also some of the academic debates and I hope that we've shared enough information and insights for you to really understand and, and get a hold of uh, what the current situation is and in order to prepare you for the future. So as always if you're interested in finding out more about this topic please subscribe to our podcast series. You're also welcome to get in touch with us or Chris himself by sending an email or book online appointments. Our contact details are available in the episode below. Until next time, take care.